Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today's message was a part of a special spontaneous baptism service at our church. If you can, please open your Bible to Acts chapter 16 as John helps us understand why salvation is followed by baptism. The first thing I want to say is that salvation and baptism are two different things. And I think most of us agree with that, but sometimes people get confused. Sometimes people have the idea that baptism has something to do with salvation, and it does not. There's nothing about baptism that saves us. There's nothing about baptism that washes our sins away. Salvation and baptism are two completely different things. Now, the second thing I want to say is this. Salvation is when we receive the free gift of eternal life by repenting of our sins and placing our trust in Jesus Christ. Now, that's the main thing. Salvation is not only different from baptism. Salvation is more important than baptism. When a person is saved, we receive a gift from God. We receive the free gift of eternal life. And eternal life doesn't begin when we die. Eternal life begins when we get saved, and it lasts forever. But we receive that gift when we ask God to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of our sins. When we say, God, I want you to help me to go in a different direction going forward. And when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in that moment we're saved. There's a moment in time, you may not know when it was in your life, but if you're saved, there was a moment when you crossed from death into life. Now, when I say you may not know when that happened, Billy Graham used to say that in his estimation, most people do know when they cross that line from death to life, from darkness to life. But it is possible that it happened at a time in your life, maybe during a song service, maybe during a sermon, maybe when you were young, and you, you trusted Christ to save you, and yet even now you can't pinpoint that exact moment when you crossed that line. The proof that we are saved is not necessarily that we can remember the day and the date and the hour when we cross that line. The proof that we are saved is that we are trusting Jesus Christ right now to save us. And so if you can't remember when you cross that line, that's okay. And if you can remember when you cross that line, don't put your faith in that experience you put your faith in Jesus. The proof that you did trust Christ in the past is that you are trusting Christ now. And so salvation is when we simply by faith receive that gift from God, the grace of God reaching down to us, our faith reaching up to Him. And when we receive that gift, that's when we are saved. God said, look to me and be saved. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation comes before baptism. But what is baptism then? Baptism is an outward public expression of our faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't make us saved. Baptism is our way of letting other people know that we already have been saved. Baptism is an outward public expression of something that has happened in our heart. Baptism is symbolic. You see, salvation is the reality. 
Baptism is a symbol of that reality. Those of you today who are married, you have your wedding ring on. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that wedding, yes or no, does that wedding ring make you married? No, it just lets other people know that you are married. If you forget to wear your wedding ring one day, you're still married, right? And your spouse would want you to know you're still married. The ring doesn't make you married. The ring lets other people know that you are married. Conversely, a person who's unmarried could say, well, you know, all my friends are married. All my friends have a wedding ring. I think I'm going to go to the jewelry store this week and buy a wedding ring and put that on, and then I'll look married. Well, you might look married, but you won't be married. The ring doesn't make you married, right? It just lets people know that you are married. But if you're not married and you wear the ring, the ring, it's a false symbol. And so baptism is like that. A person could get baptized and maybe not really be saved, and so the symbol doesn't represent anything because there's no inner reality of salvation in your life. Baptism is an outward public expression. Today, we're going to see people baptized in both services. And when these people are baptized, they're going to have on their white robes. And that white robe in and of itself is a symbol. It's a picture It means it represents something. That is their way of saying to everybody who's watching, just like my robe is clean and pure and white, Jesus has made my heart that way. This white robe, this clean white robe, is a picture of the fact that the blood of Jesus Christ has washed my sins away. I've already received the gift. I've already been saved. My heart has already been cleansed. And so today I put on a white robe. And that's my way of letting everybody know that just like my heart is clean, this robe is white and clean. The robe is a symbol of what is happening in our heart. The people who are baptized, what will we do today? We'll lower them under the water and we'll lift them back up. Now, why do we do that? Because Jesus died on the cross and then he was buried and then three days later, he came back to life again. So the, the act of baptism itself is symbolic. It is a person who's baptized. Now, that person being baptized is not saying anything. The minister's doing all the talking. But the person being baptized is saying a volume by being up there in the baptistry. What they're saying is, just like Jesus died and was buried and he rose again in resurrection power, I too, spiritually speaking, have died to an old way of living And I've been raised to walk in a brand new way of life. And so the act of baptism itself communicates the gospel. It communicates the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not that you're all of a sudden going to be a perfect person or a sinless person, but that when you got saved, in that moment, you became a brand new person. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And baptism is a beautiful, beautiful picture of that. Now, in Acts 16, let's begin in verse 25. This is the story, Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail. Most of us are familiar with this story. But I I want us to see a part of this that we normally skip over. It says this, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were complaining and criticizing and blaming God for their fate in life. Is that what it says? No. It says they were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now why was he about to kill himself? Because if you were a jailer, if your job was to guard the prisoners and the prisoners escaped, your life had to be taken. That was, the, that was the law. That was the punishment. That was how it worked. And when these, the earthquake happened and the, the doors of this prison were open, he just assumed all the prisoners would run out. He thought, well, I'll have to take my own life. If I don't, they'll take it for me. But Paul, in verse 28, called out with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. For we're all here. In other words, you don't need to take your own life. Nobody's going to, you're not going to get in trouble. We're not going anywhere. Then this jailer called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, this man was saying, you men, Paul and Silas, there's something about you that, that you have something that I need. There you were locked up. Your hands were chained. Your feet were shackled. And you were singing and praising God at midnight. You have this peace and this calmness. And even when you had an opportunity to run out of this jailhouse, this this prison here, you chose not to. You just stayed put. What is it that you have? What must I do to be saved? It's the greatest question anyone could ask. Well, in verse 31, they gave a very simple answer. They said... Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, when it says you and your household, that means everybody in your household has to believe. You have to place your faith in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And so then Paul and Silas began to share with this Philippian jailer how to be saved. That Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He shed his blood so that our sins could be washed away. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again. He ascended back to heaven. One day, he's coming back to earth. But our responsibility is to repent of our sins, ask God to forgive us, Receive Christ by faith, and we can be saved. So when it says in verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, that's what they said. And they spoke that to all who were in his house. They told his wife how to be saved. They told his kids how to be saved. If there were any cousins and nephews and nieces, they told all them how to be saved. And in verse 33, this jailer took them. He he got saved after hearing this message from Paul and Silas. And the way we know he got saved, the first way is he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. In other words, now you have the jailer meeting the physical needs of those who had been in his jail, and he's washing off their stripes. But look at the end of verse 33. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Immediately. Now, they didn't get baptized in order to be saved. They had already gotten saved, and then they got baptized. But what I'm wanting you to see today is the baptism was immediate. The one biblical prerequisite to baptism is salvation. And once you've been saved from a biblical perspective, you are eligible and you are free and you're instructed, and we're all instructed by God, to follow Him in baptism. Now, you're in chapter 16. Go back earlier in the chapter, at beginning in verse 14. Well, first of all, in verse 12, 
Uh, here is, therefore, sailing from Troas. We'll go to verse 11. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course, and he's telling us where he went. And, uh, and then in verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside at where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So there's a group of women on the Sabbath, and they're meeting there for prayer. Now, a certain woman named Lydia Hurtis, she was a seller of purple from Thyatira who worshiped God. Now, Paul, and Paul now is sharing how to be saved. And it says, the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So that here, Lydia is saved in verse 14. And when she and her household were baptized... And so here's another example in the same chapter. Somebody is saved, and then immediately they're baptized. They're already by the water. They're down by the river, and this group of ladies is having a prayer meeting. But they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know anything about Jesus. And Paul showed up, and Paul explained to them about the Lord. And then she got saved, and then she followed in baptism. As I was finishing preparing this, I, 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 I wrote out some questions Because today, some of you are asking questions. Some of you are asking, should I be baptized? Is this for me or is this for somebody else? And here's a question that I get asked often, and we get asked this question a lot. What if I was baptized as a baby? Should I be baptized now? Well, now, for those of us who've grown up in the Baptist church, we don't even understand that question because in our church, we don't have infant baptism. But to to all of us Baptists, I want to say to us, Thank God we have a lot of people coming to our church from Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Catholic backgrounds, and they were baptized when they were babies. And so to them, this is a real issue. And I have people from Catholic churches ask me all the time, and I always say to the Catholics, I say, well, first of all, I have deep respect for the liturgy and for the reverence of the Catholic church. And to those of you who are Catholic today, I say that not just to be nice, I say that because I mean it. I have been to the Vatican. In 2011, we went there. as We took a group from our church on Paul's journey. We went to Rome. We went to the Vatican. And I was very impressed with the reverence and the seriousness for God. But in the Catholic church, babies are baptized to God. And I always say to the Catholic this. We don't baptize babies. We don't baptize infants in the Baptist church. We don't do that. But we do have baby dedications. And I always say, and I want to make this very clear today, infant baptism and a baby dedication are not the same thing. So I don't want anybody to write me a letter this week and say, John said that infant baptism and baby dedication, no, they're not the same. They're different. But they're similar in this respect. In both an infant baptism and a baby dedication, those experiences are happening Because the parent is doing that for the child. It was the parent's idea. It was the parent's decision. I'm going to be dedicating a baby this morning who's about three months old. Now, this little girl did not say to her parents last week, would you please have me dedicated up there at the church? No, that wasn't her idea. That was her parent's idea. And it's the right thing to do. They're dedicating their child to God. Now, in these churches where they have infant baptism, now, we don't, I don't even believe in infant baptism. Baptism in the Bible is something that's supposed to happen after salvation. Now, we all understand that. But still, if I'm talking to someone who's been baptized as a baby, I say to them, that's different now from what we do. That's altogether different than a baby dedication. But it's similar in this respect. When your parents had you baptized, that was their way in that church context 
of dedicating you to God, even though it's different from how we do it here. That was their decision. But when we get older and we make our own decisions for the Lord, and we by faith receive Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and we are saved, then after that, we need to be baptized. You know, I even think of Billy Graham, grew up in a Presbyterian church, would have been baptized as a baby, would have gone through confirmation when he was about 12 years of age, and yet he didn't get saved until he was 16. And so he was saved, went into the ministry, goes off to Bible school. He's down in Florida. Billy Graham in his 20s now, preaching a revival, late teenage, probably in his early 20s, preaching a revival. And he's sharing with that church about how he got saved. And after the service, some of the leaders in the church came up and said, "Uh, Billy, we're so proud and excited to have you. It's a great revival. All these people are being saved. You've told us how you got saved. But Billy, have you ever been baptized? And he said, well, I was baptized as a baby, and I was confirmed when I was 12. But, and they said, but have you ever been baptized by immersion? That's what the word baptism literally means, to immerse, to go under the water and come up. Have you ever been baptized like that? And Billy Graham said, no, I, I never have done that. And they explained it to him. And they said, would you like for us to baptize you? And he said, I believe that's what I need to do. And young Billy Graham was taken to a lake in Florida, and that's where he experienced believer's baptism, where he was lowered under the water and where he was lifted back up. So if you were baptized as a baby or ba- gone through confirmation, but you've been saved now, you need to be baptized, and we would encourage you to do that. Somebody says, well, what if I got baptized? I did get baptized by immersion, but I got baptized before I got saved. Well, if you were baptized before you got saved, then the Bible would say to us, you need to get that baptism on the right side of your salvation. We always use a baseball field when we talk to kids about salvation and baptism. Well, you do, do it with adults too, but certainly with kids. And we put a baseball, we draw a baseball field, and you can just use your imagination today. And we say first base is becoming a Christian. Second base is getting baptized. Third base is our growth as a Christian. And home plate is heaven. And so we say to the child after they've been saved, now you're at first base. You've asked Jesus to come into your heart. But over here is baptism. Now, is baptism before or after salvation? Well, baptism's after salvation, okay? So you need to get baptized after you get saved. Now, the question comes up, well, what if I got saved when I was young, and then I had doubts about that, and then I got my doubts settled, Do I need to be baptized again after that? Now, that's a question that is a very common question. The answer to that question is, it depends. Say, it depends on what? It depends on how the Lord Jesus leads you. You know, I had that experience. You know my story. Saved as a child, baptized as a child, had doubts. And I... Well, I think I was saved then. I'm pretty sure I was, but I had to get that settled. I got that settled, and I, then I thought, well, what should I do? Should I be baptized again or not? Well, I knew that Adrian Rogers, one of my heroes in the faith, had been through a similar experience where he had had an experience of salvation. He had been baptized, but then later on he went through doubts, and he got that settled. And I never heard in all of his preaching, and I've heard many of his sermons, whether or not he ever got baptized again. 
And the problem was, by the time I wanted to ask him that question, he had died and gone to heaven. So I couldn't ask him. So I wrote a letter to his wife, and I asked her. And I got an answer back. And she said, Adrian was not baptized again. And the reason was, he felt like that he was saved the first time and biblically baptized, but he had these doubts, and he got that settled, but he never felt the need to get baptized again because in his way of thinking, he compartmentalized that. And he said, this was doubt. This was separate from that. Well, in my case, since I really couldn't tell if I was saved or not, the first, I just went ahead and, and got baptized again because I wanted to make. So what I'm saying is it depends. It depends on how the Spirit leads. I always pray what Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, prayed. God, make me an, when I'm talking to somebody about spiritual matters, Spurgeon said, God, make me an expert in matters of the soul. These are people's souls. These are people's lives. This is the most important thing in their life. And God, when I talk to somebody about their soul, I don't want to give them a pat answer, a memorized answer, some, some answer that doesn't mean. I want to give them a spiritual answer. And I'm saying to you today, if you had a salvation experience and you got baptized after that and later on you had doubts and you got that settled, whether or not you should be baptized again, it, there's not a clear It is whatever the Spirit of God is leading you to do. He may do like he did with Adrian, say, you don't need to do that. He may do like you did with me and say, you do. And so you follow the Spirit's leading and let Him show you and let Him lead you. And here's, the, here's how you'll know that. Which option gives you the greatest peace? Either being baptized again in that case or not being baptized again. So uh, you just follow peace and you can't go wrong. Now, some people say, John, what if I can't physically be baptized? We have people in our church who are in wheelchairs. We have people in our church who have disabilities. We have people in our church who can't physically get up there in that baptistry and get down in that water. And so we've done this before and we'll do it today for anybody who wants to. If you can't physically get baptized, let me tell you something. God never expects us to do anything we can't do. And if a person here today is in a wheelchair or some other physical ailment and they can't physically get in the water and be baptized, we'll baptize you right here. And when your baptism is over, you will be just as baptized as those who were baptized by immersion today in the eyes of God. Amen? Now, the last question is, how will I know today? How will I know if I need to get baptized? Well, for some, it's just obvious that that's what you need to do. You've been saved, and you've never been baptized. You just, then it's obvious. For others, you got baptized, but later on you got saved, and, and so it's just obvious that's what you need to do. But anybody today who needs to be baptized, you'll just know in your heart. The invitation is an A and a B today. The A is, do you know for sure that you're saved? And then the B will be, do you need to be baptized? So with our heads bowed and eyes closed, first things first, salvation and baptism are two different things. I'm asking you first and foremost, do you know for sure today that you're saved? Do you know that? You say, John, I just, I, some things, I probably need to be baptized, but I don't really know for sure that I'm saved. Well, let's get that, let's, let's first things first, let's get that settled today. If you don't know for sure that you're saved, would you pray this prayer, Lord Jesus? I believe you've brought me to this service today, God. This is, I didn't anticipate this. But God, I believe you've brought me to this service today so that I could get saved and know that I'm saved. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart to forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. 
I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. Welcome to my heart, Lord. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. And Lord, I'm a little nervous about this next part. This baptism, I know it won't make me any more saved. But God, it's it's the next step. It's supposed to be done immediately. God, I didn't come to church today planning on getting baptized. But God, I know in my heart that's what I need to do. And so, Lord, I'm asking you to give me the courage. Give me the courage to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said, amen and amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. If you are a new believer in Jesus and would like to follow the Lord in your baptism, we encourage you to find a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your friends and family about how Jesus has changed your life. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.